0: congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, imagine for a moment that our church uh, suddenly left our community here in Transcona. By that, I don't mean that this church building vanished, but imagine that as Christians, we were no longer present in this community, in this area of the city. I wonder what sort of impact would that have on our community? Would it make a difference? Would our community notice that we are gone? Would the people living here feel that our community has gotten worse? Or to put it another way, if we were no longer present in this part of the city, would God see a difference here? What do you see that things have gotten worse without us present? What do you see a marked difference in the overall state of this community? Well, why do I ask these things? Well, partly because this is the sort of thing our Lord Jesus is is talking about in our text this morning. Our text is from the Sermon on the Mount. Christ had gone up on a mountain mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him and he taught them. First, he proclaimed the Beatitudes. and Then he spoke the words of our text. And in these verses, Christ describes the identity of his disciples. He proclaims to us who we are. And he says... You are the salt of the earth. And then a little later on, you are the light of the world. This is what we are. This is what Christ proclaims his disciples are in this world. And as we will hope to see this morning, these things are meant to have a huge impact on this world. So, I've summarized the sermon this morning as follows, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We'll look at, first of all, the purpose of what you are, and second of all, the outcome of how you act. Now, As we dig into this text, it's good to begin by asking this question, why does the Lord Jesus call us these things? Right? Why does he call us the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Well, of course, Christ is using a metaphor. We are salt, we are light. He's teaching us that as disciples of Christ, we are different than the world, than those who do not know our Lord Jesus Christ. And this difference we have as disciples of Christ is meant to have a beneficial effect on this world. To understand this better, we need to dig into these metaphors some more. So, first of all, Christ says, You are the salt of the earth. Well, salt was hugely important in the days of Jesus, as it is now. And salt often serves two major functions. First of all, to preserve food, and also to improve taste. And preserving food by salt was especially important in the time of the Lord Jesus. After all, this was a warm climate. They certainly didn't have refrigerators, and food could spoil quite quickly. But when salt was added, it preserved the food for a longer period, prevented the food from rotting away. And food was used and is still used to flavor food. Without salt, food often tastes bland. You notice if a dish is missing salt. You know, I remember growing up, my mom always used to make bread. And we loved it because the bread was great. However, occasionally my mom forgot to add the salt to the recipe. And she made ten loaves at a time. When that happened, we could all taste immediately that the salt was missing from the bread. And it was not an improvement, and for the next number of weeks, we slogged through 10 loaves of bread without salt. You know, and then when I first moved to Hamilton to go to seminary, I lived with someone who owned a bread maker. and the recipe he used was a little low on salt. It was only one teaspoon. I didn't really like it. It tasted like that bread my mom made when she forgot the salt. Anyways, one day I decided I was going to make my own loaf of bread using his recipe, but I would double the amount of salt. However, when I read the recipe, I accidentally confused teaspoon and tablespoon. So instead of adding only one teaspoon, as the recipe called for, I put in two tablespoons of salt. Well, let me tell you, there was no mistaking the presence of salt in that loaf of bread. Or maybe I should say rock. And that's one of the main points Jesus is making. The absence or presence of salt makes a huge difference. And Christ is saying to to all of us, you are like that in this world. The presence of my disciples in this world makes a huge difference. The same is true of light. The presence or absence of light makes a huge difference. You are the light of the world, says Christ. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Of course, again, in the ancient world, they didn't have light bulbs. They did not have flashlights. So when nighttime came, then darkness took over. To help see at night, they had little oil lamps. And one oil lamp was all you needed to give light in a one-room house, which was often the case in ancient Israel. And so, shining there on its stand, it gave gave light to everyone in that house. They were not in pitch blackness. Without that lamp, everyone would be sitting there, not being able to see two feet in front of them. The presence of that one lamp made a big difference. And Christ, again, says to all of us, You are like that lamp shining in a dark room. It makes such a big difference in this world. That's the difference your presence can make in this world. See, darkness in Scripture is so often used as a metaphor for sin. Darkness describes a mind that doesn't know God. Darkness describes the actions of someone who doesn't live by God's word. Darkness describes the blackness of evil deeds and sin. But on the other hand, light contrasts with darkness. Light describes a mind that has come to know Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Light describes the actions of someone guided by by the Word of God. And light describes the, the beauty of obedience to the Lord. And so Jesus is telling us: my disciples are completely different than the people who do not know me. And my disciples, they reveal the things of God to those with darkened minds. They spread the truth to people who who love holding on to lies. Their good deeds shine like a lamp in this dark world full of filth and sin. In the words of Philippians 2, which we read, you live in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. as who we are. That is our purpose. Now, before we get into the details of being salt and light, we should first ask something else. Now, why? Why are we like this? How can the Lord Jesus say this about us? Right? How can he call us salt of the earth and light of the world? Is it perhaps because we are better than everyone else in ourselves? And of course, the answer is No. We are only salt and light in this world because of God's grace. We are only salt and light in this world because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Consider only the metaphor of light and darkness. Now, listen to the words of Ephesians 4 and 5. In Ephesians 4, we read, You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, unbelievers, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Then in Ephesians 5, we read, At one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Right? We are the light of the world, not because of ourselves. At one time, we too were darkness, We are light in the Lord Jesus Christ because of him. Listen also to Colossians 1, 12-14. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We, too, were, by nature, in the kingdom of darkness. And we would have stayed there forever if it were, were up to us, if it were not for the rescuing grace of God. And so we would have no hope of being salt and light if it were not for the saving work of Jesus Christ. And consider what he did to save us. Consider what we read from Philippians 2. Though he is by nature God, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be clutched onto. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is what it took for Christ to rescue us from that Domain of darkness to transfer us into the kingdom of light. He had to die on a cross paying for our sins so that we, by God's grace, could enter the kingdom of God. And he now gives us the Holy Spirit as well. And he gives us the Holy Spirit so that more and more we can act like kingdom citizens so that we can become better and better disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us a mind and attitude of Christ, which also Philippians 2 calls us to put on. He transforms our hearts so that we can act like salt in, in the earth and shine like lights in this world. Again, as salt and light, God has a specific purpose for us. As the salt of the earth, you have a preserving function, preserving purpose. Right? Faithful disciples of Christ prevent the world from turning into complete rot. Of course, the world is full of corruption already because of sin, And yet, sin and lawlessness are still not at their maximum expression. And even if they were in some people on earth, as disciples of Christ, we ensure this does not happen to all people. You see, the more that we purify our desires and our actions out of reverence and thankfulness to God, the more we prevent the entirety of the human race from being corrupted to the uttermost. We have a preserving function in this world. As salt of the earth, we also serve a flavoring purpose. Without faithful disciples of Christ, this world would be absolutely repugnant and nauseating to God. Faithful disciples of Christ make this world palatable to Him. And as the light of the world, God has a similar purpose for us. He calls you to make God known to people darkened in their understanding, He calls you to expose the sin and wickedness of this world, He calls you to shine the light of God's word on people led by destructive worldviews. He calls you to illuminate Christ for people who are on the path to eternal darkness. We are the salt of the earth by God's grace. We are the light of the world. This is God's purpose for us. Brings us to our second point. And so the the purpose of salt is to preserve and to season the purpose of a lamp is to shine light into the darkness. As salt and light, we serve those same purposes in this world. But the next question is, well, how does that look like in more detail in our lives? Right? How are we to act like salt and light? Well, if we have a preserving function in this world, being salt of the earth means not going along with the sins of the world. But think of what James 1, verse 27 says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Or as one translation put it, refusing to let the world corrupt you. Every day as you go to work, as you use the internet, whatever it might be, you're going to come across lifestyles, ideas, and actions that are completely against how God wants you to live. And because we are still attracted to sin, these things are going to pull at our own hearts too. So refusing to let the world corrupt you, can be challenging. There will always be the temptation to fit in also with non-Christians when it's the easy thing to do. Think of on the job site. If you are the salt of the earth on the job site, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Your language will be different. The things you joke about will be different. Your stories about the weekend will be different. Or think about university. If you are the salt of the earth in university, you're going to be noticed. Your worldview will be different. Your sexual ethic will be different. Your Friday nights are going to be different. But remember also, being salt is more than just avoiding things. Salt also seasons. It gives good flavor. And this means following the words of Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, being salt on the earth with a flavoring function means studying God's Word and being transformed by that Word into something that's wonderful. It means learning to rejoice in what is good and right and true. It means celebrating God's ways, God's laws, God's character. It means learning to walk in ways that are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And by doing these things, you will have the desired outcome of being the salt of the earth. You will prevent this world from being completely corrupted and uh, rotted by sin. You will give this world a pleasant flavor to God. But notice that the Lord Jesus also attaches a warning. He says the salt can lose its saltiness. Now, we, we might wonder about this. You know, how can salt lose its saltiness? Uh, well, one explanation I found went like this. The impure salt of ancient times could lose its saltiness because the, the sodium chloride could leach out or dissolve in human weather and leave only tasteless crystals which no longer tasted like salt. So that's perhaps what the Lord Jesus has in mind here. But even if our ordinary table salt does not lose its saltiness, Christ still presents this as a possibility to warn us against something. He's warning us that we can lose our distinct flavoring as disciples of Christ. We can, if we are not on guard, be corrupted by the ideas and the sins of the world. And that was so often the problem for Israel. We, we read that, in, or we saying that in Psalm 106, how they, they sacrificed to the idols of the nations. Right? They were corrupted by what the nations did. And that can happen to us as if we're not careful. Right, if we embrace a sin that's so rampant around us, we lose our preserving function as disciples of Christ. And when that happens to the maximum, there are consequences. Christ says, If the salt lose has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And of course, it makes perfect sense. The, if the salt people used in that time indeed lost its salt content, would they bother keep it? Of course not. They would just throw it away, chuck it out on the streets. And there it would be trampled under people's feet. And so we must take care. Because if there is no difference between our hearts and our lives, and those who don't know God, then we are showing that we are not true disciples of Christ. And those who prove by their hearts and lives that they aren't true disciples will be placed outside the kingdom of heaven. Our, our actions will show what's going on in our hearts. So that's the outcome of not being the salt of the earth. But on the flip side, there's being the light of the world. Again, what does that look like in our day-to-day lives? Well, the first thing to remember is, again, we are not the source of light in ourselves. What does Jesus Christ say in the book of John? He is the ultimate light of the world. And we shine like lights as we reflect Him to others in this world. You could say the more we soak in the rays of the gospel of Christ, the more we will shine like lights. You know, think of a, a solar panel that's facing the sun. and absorbs energy from the sun. And that absorbed energy can then be used to power something else, maybe a, another light. That's the way it is with Christ in us. And likewise, some glow-in-the-dark materials absorb energy when a light source shines on them. And then when you take that glow-in-the-dark object into a dark room, it emits that light energy it had earlier absorbed. And so it is with the disciples of Christ in this world. The ultimate source of our shining light is not in ourselves. We gain the power to shine in this world through Jesus Christ. As we hear the good news of our salvation in in him, as we read his words, and as we imitate his life, as we, we put on the mind of Christ as Philippians 2 told us, as we pray to the Father to transform us into his image, the more we will shine in this world. We do this also by the power of the Spirit through the Word of God. You know, think of what we read in Philippians 2. You live in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the Word of life. Or it could also be translated as you hold out the Word of life. Hold it out to others. Right, as we grab tightly to the Word of God, as we hold it out for others to see and hear. That's a major way that we let our light shine in this world. And Philippians 2 says that, also in light of another command, it says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure. Right, do you want to shine like a light in this world? You want people to notice that you are different? Follow this command. Maybe at your workplace, maybe at your school. Do do everything without complaining or grumbling. If you do that, you will indeed shine like a light in this dark world. And Christ specifically mentions another in our text, another way we can let our light shine. He says, in the same way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right, Our good deeds are are meant to show that we are cut from another cloth. Of course, Jesus isn't telling us here to be some kind of show-offs like the Pharisees. In fact, later on in the Sermon of, of the Mount... Christ denounces the Pharisees for doing their acts of righteousness before men. Right, he's, he's warning us there about being some kind of show off for our own glory. But here in our text, you no, know, let your good works, uh, let your light shine before men, so that may see your good works. He's telling us to be Christian all the time. Right? there's never a time where we try to hide our christian identity or put it in a in a closet somewhere or ignore it instead we are christians no matter where we are and when we do that then our good works will just naturally be seen by others as we live a consistent christian life as christ says a city on a hill cannot be hidden you know, think of a city on a hill, right in the open, there's no hiding it. Anyone who comes by is going to see it. Christ says, that's how it is with my disciples too. They are my disciples all the time. It's who they are. There's just no hiding their identity. When you act as a Christian all the time, it shouldn't take long before people realize there's something different about you. Similarly, Christ says, People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. You now imagine the power goes out at your house one night. You would probably go grab a flashlight, turn it on to give you a little bit of light in the house. Well, imagine someone turns on that flashlight only to stick it under a bowl. It doesn't make any sense. You turn on the light to give you some light in a dark house and then immediately you cover that light up. It doesn't make any sense. In the same way, it doesn't make any sense to keep your Christian identity hidden. If you're trying to hide away your Christian faith or your Christian life in public because you're scared of what others may think, that's partly putting your, your light under that bowl. Not shining in the way God intends you to shine. But when we do shine as lights in this world, there can also be a beautiful outcome. The Lord ends our text by saying, in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? And that's the goal, that people would praise God. Now, how might they glorify God? Well, it's not that everyone who sees your Christian life will suddenly praise God. We know that's not the case. In fact, Christ just said earlier, uh, but right before our text, That sometimes people persecute you for righteousness' sake. But, when they see your consistent Christian life, they will actually have no justification, no real reason to blaspheme the name of Christ. They will see living testimonies to the work of God in our lives. And when they see our many good works, they will have to confess, you know, those Christians, there's something different about them. They're always ready and eager to do good things. Beloved, let your light shine in this world. And may we bring glory to our God in this way. Amen. Let us respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing together Psalm 73, the stanzas 1, 4, 7, and 8.